You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, February 2nd. We are in February. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You may be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off-Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for... Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or Twitter account for the show at L-O underscore Padres. Or if you want to see my lovely and sometimes ugly, uh, mostly ugly face, you could check out the YouTube Lockdown Padres on YouTube. We just recently passed 200 subs. On today's episode, guys, we are talking about the Padres hiring Mike Schilt for a player development role, and then... We're doing Hall of Fame discourse because that's just that's just what you have to do these days. We are struggling through a lockout right now. It just makes sense. You know what I'm saying? You have to talk about this stuff, and it has a lot to do, and I wanted to give my take on the whole thing, which I think is in line with a good amount of other people's takes on the Hall of Fame and how it's a little bit ridiculous what's going on with that that system and how everything's being voted on, but still wanted to share that. I do have a couple of uh, little notes that I wanted to add to the conversation, but first... Let's do the Padres stuff because this is locked on Padres after all, guys. Reading for MLB trade rumors because I like how they kind of broke it down really quickly. The Padres are hiring Mike Schilt for a player development role. Reading from the article, the Padres announced their player development staff today with a notable new name joining the fold and former Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. While reports last month indicated that Schilt was going to take a job in the commissioner's office, Jeff Jones of the Belleville News Democrat tweets that Schilt will actually be working in both positions as the league gave Schilt permission to consult with San Diego. This is the first link between Schilt and the Padres as San Diego interviewed Schilt for their managerial vacancy back in October in the aftermath of Schilt's surprising firing from the Cardinals' dugout. While the Padres ultimately opted for Bob Melvin as their new manager, clearly they liked what they heard from Schilt, enough to work with this rather unique arrangement with the league front office. So that's let, let, let's talk about that first, right? Mike Schilt was first being rumored for the Padres' like manager position, and it made sense. He had just come off you know, managing with the St. Louis Cardinals, which is a very stand-up organization that does not mess up and all that stuff usually anyway, and we'll get to that in a second. And they also had an incredible run. They make it to the playoffs, and... To be honest with you, a very close wild card game against the Dodgers, who had second best league in all of baseball, arguably the best team in baseball, um, top to bottom, and it was a close game. Everyone was scared. Adam Wainwright delivered. Adam Wainwright, who's like 55 years old, came back and like was one of the league leaders in innings pitched this year, which is like I can understand if a pitcher does well when they're old, but when they're old and they're also pitching the most innings, that's just like, whoa, what is going on? Did you is this Indiana Jones and the last crusade? Did he find the cup, the holy grail, the fountain of youth? Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But then they fired Mike Schill, and it really was really surprising. And you guys can go check out uh, Locked on Cardinals with Lucas Smith, Lord Smith over there. He does a great job breaking all that stuff down. He did a bunch of episodes and he was like, Yeah. This is a, a hugely surprising move. So naturally, because the Padres fired Jace Tingler, uh, their manager from 2020 to 2021, it made sense. Bring in the Cardinals guy and all that. My perspective on the thing was, look, it's a little weird that they fired this guy. And it's not like this is the Rockies. It's not like this is the D-Bat or some other, you know, last uh, Miami Marlins. So those type of clown organizations that usually mess up this stuff, right? So my thing was... Interesting, because the Cardinals firing someone, I feel like they haven't shown yet 
a, a reason to distrust their view on things. You know what I'm saying? Especially when it comes to building an organization. So while I was interested in Mike Schilt, I wasn't like dying for him to be the manager. But this is kind of cool. They bring him in as a player development role sort of guy. And really... I'm not going to pretend to say that I know exactly his whole style. Um, you would have to, like I said, go check out Lockdown Cardinals if you want to know more about that. But in terms of the record and the pedigree, it does sort of speak for itself, especially this past season. And I think most importantly, the biggest thing about this is it's the trend of what the Padres have been doing lately, right? You look at all of the hirings that they have made recently, obviously Bob Melvin the being the big one, Ruben Yeba being the new pitching coach, and then, of course, adding Mike Schultz to player development. It shows that they've had a willingness to just go for the best qualified, not necessarily people that are close to AJ Pro, which isn't always a bad thing if your GM has people that they've worked with and that they know more, maybe more closely. That's not always, always a bad idea. I think oftentimes it can be, and... There can be nepotism involved sometimes, you know what I'm saying? But I will say that it is a welcome change because one of the big criticisms of A.J. Preller, which has been noted in the athletic piece that came out uh, towards the end of this past season, is that A.J. Preller doesn't necessarily surround himself with enough people that disagree with him and whatnot. So him going out and getting Bob Melvin from Oakland and getting Ruben Niebel, who's been hugely successful in Cleveland with their pitching staff, they churn out a new pitcher like every... Did you guys know who Zach Plesak was before 2020? Not really, right? And I know everyone probably knows who he is now because he had an infamous video rant about the uh, not following the, the protocols <laughs> and whatnot. But like he made him at least a, a pitcher that is on the map, or at least it's it might not be a coincidence that this guy just kind of appears out of nowhere and is great. Got Tristan McKenzie coming up. Obviously, you have Shane Bieber. So they've done a great job with that stuff. And bringing in Mike Schilt for a player development role, I am curious to know how much this role is going to entitle. I'm curious how big of a role it's going to be if he's also working in the commissioner's office. But nonetheless, it's still a positive mood. And like I said, I like that the Padres have been showing more of a willingness to hire big-time candidates who are just really good. You can't blame them for hiring any of the guys that they had. Because the Jace Tingler thing was, oh, it's just an extension of the front office because he knew him in Texas. He knew A.J. Preller in Texas, right? Now it's like, no. He's just going out there and getting big-time people, maybe big-time people that disagree with him, and see things differently. That's a really welcome change for the Padres organization and bodes well for them heading into this 2022 season. And I'm just really excited. I mean, there's a lot of good vibes, guys. There's a lot of good vibes. It really reminds me of the feeling that we had heading into 2020, where you're bringing in new blood, you're making some nice, interesting trades, and by the way, those trades could still happen. I know we're in a lockout, but we could still get some trades happening. And whatnot. And I know I jokingly tweeted uh, yesterday about the Padres signing Emma Stone, but basically I'm just saying offseason is still a lot of interesting things that could happen, even if we are still in the midst of a lockout. But before we kind of move on, guys, and talk about the, the real crux of today's show, which is the Hall of Fame stuff. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed my thoughts on Mike Schilt, even though they weren't, you know, groundbreaking. I didn't, you know have a whole dissertation on it but still before we get into the rest of that guys let me talk to you about something that i do know 100 about and that is foolproof this is a dissertation it's a dissertation on awesomeness guys and those are the best tasting protein bars in all the land they are the built built bars built guards built bars guys it's a new year so that means new year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit 
or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. It is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar, guys. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so damn good. Let me tell you guys, most bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And you're just gain season bro you're just you're just killing it out here right and what i love about them is covering 100 chocolate they're they're healthy for you they're really 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 yummy uh great variety of flavors man peanut butter brownie coconut almond cookies and cream salted caramel mint brownie they've got raspberry cheese flake flavors my mom's personal favorite cherry barcia my personal favorite apple almond crisp and locked on crew everybody every host on the mlb network coconut brownie chunk give that one a shot guys they're all really really good and because you're listening to this podcast we have a deal for you if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order remember that is promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com as always guys thank you again for making lockdown potters your hashtag first listen every day we are free and available on all platforms let's move on now into the discourse look let me tell you there's, there's like this video out there, I remember, that's of Mario jumping into, you know Mario 64 where you jump through the paintings and then you select your level? There's like an old meme out there that I found. It's, um, let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it. I don't even think I have it anymore. I probably deleted it to save space. But basically it's him jumping in there and it's like navigating the toxic maze. That basically summarizes how, what it's like talking about, um, the Hall of Fame stuff. And I recommend checking out a bunch of different pieces, right? There's a piece that I saw, uh... Over at ESPN, let me just pull it up really quickly so I make sure that I get the damn thing right. Um, Let me see here. By um, Doug Glanville on why PE users shouldn't be aligned in the Hall of Fame, and I thought it was a very measured take. I really did. He basically talked about, you know, as competitors, as as professionals who are trying to do well in their career – it affects how their career goes when you cheat and whatnot because it raises the barometer. Made some actually pretty good points. And then my buddy Jack McMullen over at Just Baseball, which I contribute to, he dropped his first piece for the site yesterday, really just ripping to shreds the idea of the Hall of Fame and what's going on and basically the inconsistency. So let me talk about that, all right? Last week it was announced that David Ortiz made it. He passed that 70% threshold or 75% threshold to make it into the Hall of Fame. Both Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, big-time players, Andrew Jones if you want to throw out some guys like that, Scott Rowland. This was a really stacked back. Billy Wagner, like all these sort of guys. Instead, the only one that made it was David Ortiz. So let me just say, coming off the top front of of, of this here um, discussion, I love it. I love David Ortiz. I hate the Boston Red Sox. Longtime listeners know I hate everything Boston. Let me be clear. Those MFers ruined my life <laughs> consistently when it comes to sports. Shout out to the 2008 Celtics, who are the most obnoxious championship team to ever win. I don't know why one title means that they're all allowed to talk about everything. Looking at you, Kendrick Perkins. But... That's just kind of the case, but I love David Ortiz, and a lot of reasons for that was his attitude about the game, having admittedly tough, incredible moments, you know, clutch moments in the playoffs, and what I like about him is also he defended people. I like when he was, you know, talking about how the MLB was legislating against uh, hitters and all that stuff, and he's making fun of pitches on the mound. He's like, yeah, I can't step out of the box, but the pitcher could go like that and shake their head at every pitch for 24 minutes, right? He was really funny. He, def- he defended Jorge Posada back on the Yankees, my mom's favorite baseball player ever, uh, and my mom really appreciated that. So David Ortiz, a lot of great moments and funny and all that stuff. But that's the issue here, is, is the likability of David Ortiz, the reason he got into the Hall of Fame. I mean, 
it's not the worst reason to put someone in the Hall of Fame, but it is bad when you consider the inconsistencies that take place in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz was mentioned in a 2009 article that basically, reported first by ESPN, that he tested positive in that like 03 era uh, for performance-enhancing drugs. This, at the time, was when they the MLB conducted a supposedly anonymous sort of survey uh, wanting to see just how deeply run uh, steroids was in its league. And a bunch of people tested positive. And among those was Sammy Sosa, Alex Rodriguez, and a few more. But, like, those are the big ones. And then we don't know about the rest of those guys, which I'll get to in a second. But David Ortiz was also one of those people. He vehemently denied the allegations. And then it sort of just went away because no one wanted to push deeper into it. He was kind of like, yeah, I'll look into this and... I want to know where this came from, and then I'll let you guys know. Never let anybody know. Finesse King, if you ask me. And that was kind of it. And he makes the Hall of Fame with a career war of, if I'm not mistaken, of around the 40 range, around like the 45 range. Let me see here. And part of that is because he didn't gain any type of extra war because of his defensive stuff, because he was largely a um, uh, designated hair for most of his career. 55.3. I am fully fine with this. He was He was so good. I like that he made it. But the problem is that the steroid thing. And if you're going to allow David Ortiz in his, by the way, first time on the ballot, it's not like he made it on like his five or six or even second, for Christ's sake. It's that he made it immediately. While you have all these other players that were kind of better. I mean, Andrew Jones had a, a much more totality of his career. If you look at war, a better career. He dominated baseball for like six, seven years, basically, as a top three player. I know this back half of his career stunk, but also an incredible defender. So it's weird that he still hasn't got on there. And David Ortiz makes it his first time. It shows you that Hall of Fame voters are really, uh, what's it called? Bowing down to the fact that he's so likable. And I just don't like that we're being too selective about the steroids. I don't mind if your thing is, I don't like steroids. Like Doug Glanville mentioned in his piece. I actually, the more I talk and listen to people, I do kind of get it. Because you look at not just them boosting themselves, but you look at the fact that they affect other people, right? It's kind of like... um. In, in a somewhat similar vein, uh, Sean Doolittle broke down. I remember he was talking about the Astros stealing allegation. He was talking about it's not just that they're helping themselves, but think about all the pitchers that faced Astros players. Maybe they came up for one kind of outing, right? They were a minor league journeyman or something like that, right? And they come up and pitch a relief pitcher. They're trying to keep their career going. And then some team that's stealing their signs completely lit them up and then they stay in the minors forever. Like it, it can ruin other people's careers too. It's not just about boosting yourself. You are affecting other people. That's the big problem here, right? So that's how I look at it. And then on the other hand though, my other thing is this. Well, it is baseball history, right? It is baseball history and you kind of have to recognize baseball history even if you don't want to uh, atone it. You don't want to celebrate it necessarily. It's a little weird and hypocritical that... Um, what was his name? Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame, who oversaw and was the commissioner during the steroid era of baseball, but none of the guys from that era are in the Hall of Fame. So it was perfectly fine when it was making Bud Selig and company a whole lot of money because the steroid era helped bring back home runs and all this excitement to baseball. It was perfectly fine then, right? But now we have to all, oh yeah, it was really terrible what happened then. Bud Selig, you can still be in the Hall of Fame now. It's just, it looks incredibly hypocritical. And the other thing is this, if you want to look at Bonds, I know, look, some people say he technically ever failed a test. Yeah, I know, but, like, he basically tested. It's it's this whole thing. It's a whole thing that I'm not fully, I don't want to get wrong, so I'm not going to fully verse it. But go look up 
my buddy Jack's article, honestly, and it basically all but concludes that he did. And also, if you just look at a picture of Barry Bonds at a certain point in his career, I don't know if gaining that much weight is possible over the course of just like, you know, six months or whatever the heck it was. Um, And then Roger Clemens kind of, you know, indicted himself, whatever that's called, perjury, perjured himself and all that stuff. So a lot of areas there for sure. Um, But I just at the same time, Barry Bonds, even if you take out all the steroid years, still probably a Hall of Famer. And the other thing, which I mentioned to earlier, those 100 other guys, my big issue is this. I just, we don't trust Major League Baseball, right? We, we've all, we all believe that. We're all bad at them for the lockout right now, right? And not to go all conspiratorial, not to go all Aaron Rodgers on you guys that are listening or watching, but I just, it's hard for me to believe that these are the only guys we know that tested positive because of that aforementioned 100 list, right? And all these other people that didn't make it, did people just not like A-Rod? Did they just not like Barry Bonds? So those names leak out and whatnot. They didn't like David Ortiz. How do we know that other people in the Hall of Fame didn't? Are we sure that Cal Ripka Jr., we're like 100% sure that Cal Ripka Jr., who was able to play 400,000 games in a row, that there's no type of performance-hanging drug that took place there? Again, not trying to sound overly conspiratorial. Or that Hank Aaron, who literally admits to using, what is it, um, I'm blanking on what it was, in, in his like biography, talking about what he used, he's in the Hall of Fame, and as he should be. I think that we're just in a place, and not to mention people have thoughts on how the players will always be ahead of the curve, they'll find ways to take in performance-enhancing drugs that can get past the system and whatnot. It just feels a little bit about like who got caught versus like, you know what, Bonds, by every measurement, had the best statistical output in the history of baseball. I think he should be in there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you want to do the Mina Kime solution, which she brought up a while ago, which I agreed with, which is you get in the Hall of Fame, but maybe you can't have a, a, a ceremony, right? You're just elected and we kind of just put you in there and that's it. Maybe that's a solution because there is no easy solution, right? And that's just kind of my thoughts on it. I do respect people who don't like the steroids. What I don't like is people who are going around here only voting for Jeff Kent or submitting blank ballots, which is just absurd. It's like then what are we doing here? Why are you on this committee? And how do you get the honor of having this vote? That pisses me off to no extent. And there's another thing that annoys me to no extent. One last little bit about the Hall of Fame that drives me nuts. Let me tell you. And, and if you're a betting man, you might know where I'm going with this if you've listened to the podcast a while. All right. It has to do with Mr. Kurt Schilling. It really does. And I have a lot of thoughts on that. But before we get into that, guys, speaking of betting, let me talk to you about bet online there might be less football being played there might be no baseball being played as well but betonline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from scores totals uh you know people who do end up scoring individual scores player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land bet online is the number one spot for all things nfl betting in 2022 and of course it's not just football betonline.net's baseball hockey boxing ufc odds are the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite vegas casino games maybe a little blackjack or something like that bet online is your number one online wagering destination it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, winding down moments here of this uh, of this podcast. Uh, firstly, I just want to quickly attest to before I get into the Hall of Fame thing. Uh, there was a little, some updates that Jeff Passan was posting uh, yesterday and some others. Uh, Ken Rosenthal a few days ago kind of basically detailed for The Athletic. Go check out that piece that... Uh, 
look, it's not impossible that baseball returns by opening day. Just don't get your hopes up. Uh, it, it does sound really bad. And, guys, it's the owners, man. I don't know how else to put this. They're the ones that have, at least so far, shown no willingness to compromise. When it came to pre-arbitration bonuses, for example, this has been thrown around a lot on the internet, but players came with a proposal of $105 million, owners counted with $10 million. That usually shows you that they're just they're just not budging, they're playing hardball. So that's how I view it. One side wants to get baseball back, the other side is being incredibly greedy and a little short-sighted because their sport is in a, a little bit of a perilous situation right now. I don't think that missing games is going to help, especially when you have all this momentum heading your way, but they don't care. They want their money. Let's talk about Kurt Schilling. So I've gone so back and forth on the character clause sort of thing. And I actually learned recently that the character clause was based off of a player back in the World War II era. And it was for uh, it was for why you would put someone in the Hall of Fame for a character clause, right? That someone served and we want to put them in. I did not realize that, that that was the original thing. But anyway, when it comes to character, all right, I understand people. I really do. Let me be very clear. I understand people who are like, I don't want to use off-the-field stuff. I think that's a slippery slope. Totally understandable. I get it. Um, and I just want to focus on the baseball achievements. Again, could go to the Mina Kimes solution. Kurt Schilling, you're in the Hall of Fame. You ain't got it. You can't, you can't speak at the induction ceremony. That's it. Bye. You ain't, you ain't allowed to speak, right? By all accounts and by every kind of viewing of the thing, top 30 pitcher ever. Probably should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people deciding that because, hey, slippery slope. Maybe, um, you know, people listening to this podcast probably know that I am a more progressive liberal person. It would not be fair if I use my political views and be like, well, that person voted for Ronald Reagan. I don't like him. He supported Reagan. Like, I, they're not in the Hall of Fame. I hate Ronald Reagan or whatever, right? Something like that. You get down a slippery slope where you're like, well, what do we define as super duper bad? I get that. On the other hand, I also believe in people who are like, well, I think we're allowed to, as human beings, evolve and raise our standards just because Ty Cobb or some of these other guys that made it for statutory rape stuff like just because they made it doesn't mean that we also have to continue the tradition of adding people who are absolutely abominable human beings into the Hall of Fame because they were able to hit a ball or throw a ball really fast and accurately right that you don't have to go down that route either I genuinely respect both I do not like it as well when people go on Twitter saying Wow, all these people think that it's so much uh, that it's more forgivable and that it's okay to own Nazi memorabilia and be racist than it is to use steroids. That's kind of a false equivalency as far as I'm understanding. You're basically, that's not fair. That's not what you're saying. They aren't mutually exclusive. You're allowed to say, yes, these things are really bad, but I do want to keep it to baseball. You're kind of allowed to do that. Again, it's a thing that I'm 60-40 on. I go back and forth. Some days I'm like, put Schilling in there. Other days I'm like, you know what, screw it. You went too far. Here's my one take that I am 100% on the table for. I am 100% in my bag for. I am really, really, really tired of people dismissing or kind of aligning the the Kurt Schilling uh, type of story with only purely politics. Here's what I mean by that. I don't like it when people dismiss things as political, as if it's some sort of abstract concept that doesn't have any actual bearing on your life or other people's lives. I.e., I don't like you because uh, you're political is the same thing as being like, well, I'm a Boston fan and you're, you're a New York fan. We can't be friends. It's like people kind of, I, I know this sounds a little bit much, but it really feels like sometimes people act like politics don't matter. I'm not saying that they matter to the point where 
you gotta move heaven and earth to make sure you're not friends with anybody who politically disagrees with you. But I do not like the kind of dismissing of them. The 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 I don't know I don't know a better word for it. It's hard to do podcasts live, guys. Um, I don't know a better word for it. But I don't I just don't understand. I don't I've never agreed with that. I don't like the idea that just because that, that's just political, right? No, 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 no. That's that's not a, a good way to approach things. Politics are important, and it does kind of summarize who you are as a person, your beliefs, your interests, your personality. They do have to do with that. They aren't like liking the Yankees and liking the Red Sox and saying, oh, I can't be friends with someone like that. That's not true. And in the case of Kurt Schilling, this specifically, let me be clear, I don't view this as politics. I don't view a guy who's campaigning and is absolutely in full support of an insurrection of the United States state capitol, I am not someone who is in support of someone who is totally making jokes and loves the idea of journalists being hung from trees, i.e. dying. I am not in support of someone who has made xenophobic, racist, homophobic, transphobic remarks, has literally gotten fired from ESPN for such remarks. And as I attested to earlier, as I mentioned, I'm not a fan of someone who's collecting Nazi merch, right? That doesn't qualify to me as politics or something that you can say we disagree politically. That's not him saying I voted for Donald Trump. That's not him saying I voted for Bernie Sanders. That's not him saying who he voted for and us being like, that's not cool, right? That's us being like, you are a racist. That should not be something that we view as political in the, in the same sense as uh, your views on economic stability and inflation and you know the market economy and a minimum wage and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? That's not small government versus big government. That's not healthcare versus this and that. That's not like more, more typically associated with laws and like deep seated political stuff. That's you being a terrible human being. That's what I don't like. We need to stop classifying politics as everything that we just are like uh, uncomfortable with talking about sometimes. No, if you're a bad person, I don't view that as political. You're a bad person. Like this isn't like, why are we bringing politics to this? No. You're a bad person. So I understand if your thing is I want to put him in there because of his career as a baseball player. I don't like the slippery slope. I'm totally – I get it. I really do, even if I sometimes disagree with it. I just don't like it when people go on here and being like – I mean, yeah, like Bill Plashkin around the horn or like uh, some other people I've listened to, some former players even, who were like, look, I get it. And some other columnists who were like, look, yeah, I get it. He was mean. All right, We didn't like him and he, he you know – uh, like annoyed some reporters. He might've said some mean things. I'm like, no, no, no. You are undermining the hell out of the Kurt Schilling story. And it is offensive to people who are targeted by his type of remarks and his type of vitriol the most. It's actually offensive for you to just undermine our concerns and our contempt for people like this as just being mean. And that's it. Like someone stole your candy at lunch or something like that. And then they, they just gave you a, a little punch on the, on the arm, that type of mean. Or they just, you know, annoyed you with a tweet. They quote tweet racial you'd one time. That's BS. And I'm really sick and tired of that, okay? And most of the time, sorry, going to say it, those type of people that make the, oh, yeah, he was just mean sometimes, those are white people, all right? That's just, that's just my experience. They're not the target of his sort of remarks and kind of vitriol, like I said before. And that's what really, really gets me annoyed. And I do not like it and I do not respect it. I do respect you voting for him. I understand that. I do not respect you dumbing down the Kurt Schilling story to just, that's just politics. And yeah, he was a little mean sometimes. No, 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 no. You don't get to do that. Sorry. I don't like that. 
Uh, it's it's deeply offensive to me, and it, it really that that annoys me to no end. But again, that's just my take, guys. That's just my take. Um, and that's basically all I have to say for today's episode. Just like that, we're back Wednesday. Pretty good episode. We're going to have an episode tomorrow, too, as well. But before we get into what we will be talking about again, guys, thank you for making Lockdown Pieties your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms tomorrow and Friday. Uh, don't know in what order I'm going to be doing these, but we're going to be talking about some mock trades that were written about by Dennis Lynn in The Athletic. We're also going to be talking about the Zips projections, which came out like a month ago, and I just totally forgot to talk about them from Fangraphs projecting the Pieties with their pitching and their hitting. And then looking at also a future episode, looking at the top wants by fans that was done in a survey for The Athletic for both pitcher and batter, kind of giving my analysis on that. Obviously, I imagine Nick Castellanos will probably be a guy brought up in there, and we're going to break it down. And obviously, if we get any new lockout news, you'll hear about it for sure here in my perspective. Hopefully, today's episode was enjoyable for you guys. I know it was a little bit more of a political one uh, that might not go to everybody's liking, but that's just my opinion. And again, if you want to be mean for me, I guess, as always, hit me up on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube. Also, Lockdown Padres on YouTube at LO underscore Padres on Twitter. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe everywhere. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. Let's go.